Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 14. Opening our Bibles to Psalm 14. Earlier this morning, we have read from Ephesians 2 and the first seven verses that describe our condition as the children of disobedience and the children of wrath before God set His love upon us. Psalm 14 will remind us even further of what we are and what we would yet be if it were not for God saving us from this terrible condition. This short psalm is a description of the character of the wicked. Let us all stand together and read Psalm 14 in unison. Together. The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? who eat up my people as they eat bread, and call not upon the Lord? There were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. Ye have shamed the counsel of the poor, because the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion. When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people... Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thanks be to the Lord Jesus Christ. You are both the Jacob and Israel of that seventh verse. And the salvation that we're looking for is not any mere deliverance from Egypt or from Babylon. It's the deliverance from sin, hell, and this world. And He's coming to give us that victory soon. The fool hath said in his heart. Not all of them say it outwardly. Not all of them write books against the existence of God. But all the fools say it in their hearts by their actions. The actions that they choose show that they are totally indifferent to a God in heaven. They have no regard for Him. He hath said in his heart, there is no God. Every time you face a decision and a dilemma, a question, an opportunity, a choice, and you make the one that's against the God of heaven, how did you make it? It must be because in your heart you believe there is no God. Because if you believe there was a God, we would make those choices right every time. Lord, help us. To always stand in awe and sin not, as Psalm 4.4 teaches us. These that say there is no God, they're corrupt, they've done abominable works, there is none that doeth good. This is the Lord's assessment of our race. It does not matter if when you look at others, you think someone is good in the world. The Lord looks at them and says there is none good, and as we're about to read, no, not one. What you see is just their outward show while God measures their hearts. 
what may appear to be good on the outside may be corrupted and ruined by a selfish, proud, self-righteous heart on the inside. Any one of those three things makes every outward action sin and abominable in the sight of God. He that turneth away his ear from the hearing of the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Let us measure by the word of God, not by our own feelings or what society tells us is good. The Lord's assessment of our race is, they are corrupt, they've done abominable works, and there is none that doeth good. Now, brethren, last Lord's Day, I described to you the God of heaven coming into an orphanage where was all the human race before him. And he looked through the safety glass and saw you. And you made gestures to him of hatred and defiance. You spat at him and it ran down the glass. I want to tell you from the Word of God that God did look down to see if there were any in the orphanage of humanity that wanted to be His children. If there were any crying there and saying, Lord, save me. But when He looked down, according to verse 2, upon the children of men, to see if there were any that did understand and seek God, He found none, no, not one. There are none that seek after God by nature. It is only when God changes our nature that we ever seek Him. And we must always remember that. And how does that enhance the story of God looking into the orphanage of humanity and seeing all those in the human race not wanting Him, not understanding, not seeking God, but turning away from Him. In fact, they were all corrupt, abominable And there was not a single one that was good. They are all gone aside, verse 3 tells us. There isn't a single one in that orphanage of humanity that is looking for righteousness or seeking the God of heaven. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. This is the Lord's assessment of our race. And no matter how many churches or how big some of those churches may be that want to tell all their attendees how wonderful they are and how much God loves them, I'm going to teach you the Word of God. And Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3, is an indictment against humanity. That they are corrupt and abominable. And there is not a single one that does good. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become filthy. The question that would arise in any sensible child of God's heart is verse 4. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Are they all totally ignorant? Isn't there a God in heaven? Isn't His Godhead and eternal power visible by the natural creation? Romans chapter 1 and verses 18 through 21 tell us that is the case. That God can be known by what He has created. So that they are without excuse. But when they knew God. Listen to what it says. But when they knew God. They glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful. But became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. 
That is a passive voice verb meaning God darkened their hearts when they did not humble themselves before the amount of knowledge that He gave them from the creation. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. Psalm 19, 1-6 Natural man does know there is a God. He has refused and defied that God. He has indeed spat against the glass where the God looked down upon the children of men. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge that He has eternal power and a Godhead who eat up My people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. David here is speaking of some enemies of Israel that ate up Israel, ravishing their women, taking their children, destroying their cities, stopping up their wells, salting their fields, as if they were eating a piece of bread. It didn't bother them at all that they were messing with the Lord's people. And they do not call upon the Lord. Remember, this is what God says about the wicked, and it's close by. It's Psalm 10 and verse 4. It says, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. How can someone that looks outside and sees the natural creation... And the Bible says he knows the truth, that there is a God. How can he then destroy God's people without a conscience? Because it's been hardened. In the same way that Pharaoh could take his chariot and drive it down into the midst of the Red Sea after ten plagues in the land of Egypt. After losing his firstborn and the firstborn in every family in Egypt, he still went down in the Red Sea because the God of heaven had hardened his heart so that God could get glory upon him. And God will get glory upon these God-deniers from Psalm 14, 1-4. And brethren, were it not for the grace of God, there we go. We are no different. David observes further about them. There were they in great fear. Psalm 53, which is the twin to this psalm, said there were they in great fear where there was no fear. Ungodly men are full of fear. They show bravery sometimes in their little ways, but take them to a funeral. There were they in fear where there is no fear. The righteous are as bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when no man pursueth. The Bible tells us about them. There were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. There was no natural reason for them to be afraid, but when God is among His people, they were able to witness it in times past. David could see some resemblance of that in the present, and he knew it was going to be true in the future when God came to deliver him. He says further of those wicked, Ye have shamed the counsel of the poor, because the Lord is his refuge. You've made fun of Israel. You have mocked us in our religion. Because we lost this battle, because God gave us over to you, you made fun of and shamed our counsel. Because the Lord was our refuge. But even when God is chastening His people, does He come back to avenge them? Never forget Isaiah 10, where it describes the king of Assyria. And he said, The king of Assyria is no more than a rod and an axe in my hand and a saw that I shake. And when I'm done using the king of Assyria to spank my people, then I will crush him. That is the promise of the God of heaven. And you should not shame 
the counsel of the poor, when the counsel of the poor is the Lord and His Word, when they're putting their trust and the, making the Lord their refuge. And David concludes the psalm by saying, Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion. He knew it was coming. He just said, Oh, that it were come. That it was here now. He knew it would come. And do you know that it would come? Even when your enemies are making fun of you. Even when your enemies seem to have an advantage over you. You know that the Lord is going to come and deliver you. And so there's no problem in saying, Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion! Exclamation point. When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of His people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. We might be a little discouraged from time to time when God allows our enemies to have the upper hand or to shame or mock our religion. But there'll be a day of vengeance and there'll be a day of deliverance. And He's going to take us to heaven soon. This world can mock us all that it wishes. We're following the Word of God. We're putting our counsel is in the Lord. They're shaming our counsel. And though we may look poor this morning, our counsel is the Word of God. And we're going to stick with that counsel. And there's deliverance coming, brethren. And there's a time coming when Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. I have so much hope in that this morning. And I hope you do as well. That we can rejoice today. We don't have to wait for the deliverance to come out of Zion. It's already come in so many ways that we should be able to rejoice already. It's just icing on the cake that is yet to come. Lord, we look forward to that final deliverance when we shall be delivered from these bodies of corruption into your presence forevermore. May the Lord bless the reading of his word and remind us of what great love the Father hath set on us, and what great salvation He has shown toward us in delivering us from this condition, because we are no different than the wicked by nature. Amen.